Welcome to Is This Scary? This is Shelby. This is Phil. This is Zach. And this time we're talking about the first collection, maybe we'll get all the way through it, for uh, Lock and Key, written by Joe Hill. The art is done by Gabriel Rodriguez. It was colored by Jay Photos. The comic was lettered by Robbie Robbins. The series is edited by Chris Rawl. The collection was edited by Justin Isinger. And Robbie Robbins designed the graphic novel. So, what have you all... Who here has heard of this series before this instance? Before this uh, vote had us? I've heard it from the TV show. When you said Lock and Key and was like, oh yeah, the TV show. And then you were like, oh no, it's a graphic novel. And I was like, no. So... I had not heard about it before in the graphic novel. I'm very uh, rusty when it comes to graphic novels and um, comic books. I've taken a break because I don't know. I feel like I just don't go there that much, and I should because there is a lot. There is a lot that you can really enjoy there. Um, but no, I hadn't really heard of it other than the TV show before this. I was gonna say it's one of those things. I've been in and out of the comic scene for a long time I've never really dropped out of the horror scene and when you're in both of them mm -hmm. this is one of those comic series that you just talked about especially because this was the thing that really put Joe Hill on the map and that is significant with him being Stephen King's eldest son mm -hmm. so if this is the thing that got that brings another horror writer to prominence that's really cool mm -hmm. so for me like Zach being in and out of the uh, comic uh, world and everything, I heard about it and I kept planning on reading it, planning on reading it, planning on reading it. And then after watching the show, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to read it. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I picked it up and started reading it. And it's been a journey. It's been great. Real quick, for those that uh, may need this or anything, trigger warning, we may talk about sexual assault a little bit. We may talk about suicide. We and may talk about... Mental illness. Well, definitely going to talk about mental illness. And then on murder. that same vein... Well, murder is going to come up. But on the same vein is the sexual content and mental illness, unfortunately, is sexual activity with a minor. True. It has a pretty decent chance of coming up. Yeah. So there are just a lot of trigger warnings on this one just to the, due to the nature of the comic. It's, it's got dark themes. It's a horror comic. It's so. a horror comic, and this is definitely not for kids. And I will go ahead and say that, while we may not talk about the show a lot, the biggest difference for me is that the show has a much more, like, young adult, teen-oriented kind of direction. Mm -hmm. This comic book is not for kids. I would say, if anything, older teenagers... Like junior, senior, at the youngest. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't give this to like 13, 14 year olds. I don't think they're old enough yet. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. So, uh, Shelby. Okay. Having the least the least invested in the comic book industry and everything, mm -hmm. what was your thoughts on like the style and everything of that nature? I liked it because the basic theme of the, the I guess the, also the atmosphere throughout the entire first like section that we read, because was it like the first volume, the first collection that mm. we said, is very bleak. It's very depressing, and that color palette stays the same throughout the entire time. I mean, they go, the family goes through a tragedy, and even before that tragedy, I feel like it was still bleak at that time. So it's a lot of grays, blues at times some gr dingy greens, browns, and then you have this splash of red. And it, I love that contrast. So I do like the, the color palette and it, it stays that way. And I'm curious to see how and if it changes in the other collections. Fair enough. See, Zach pointed out something and I didn't think about it until he pointed it out. So that it was, it feels like it's straight out of a, the mid to late 2000s or the 2000s? Well, okay. Yeah. Styles so specifically? It does has have a kind of a time-locked art mm -hmm. style mm -hmm. because the particular art style, now while it is unique to Mr. Rodriguez, it is his art style, but a lot of stuff 
from around the mid to late 2000s looked a lot like this comic book. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember what time period exactly, but there was some Superman stuff that was drawn almost exactly like this, and I have no idea if he worked on Superman or not. And also, thinking about it, some of the characters, um, especially the female characters, I feel like, if you really look at the details of their face, because there's a lot of fine lines in here, you see a lot of texture, especially with wood, stone. I like the design of the faces because it does have that early, like, 2000s and 90s, almost like anime style, too. Big eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Shows a lot of motion. Well, yeah, they're very... All, the faces are very expressive. Mm-hmm. Talking about that for a second, the only character's design I can't stand Mm-hmm. Is Uncle Duncan <laughs> specifically when he first shows up early on when he's driving? He also and looks he has nothing like chin, his brother. <laughs> he has a chin down to his like gut. It's just the biggest chin ever. To be fair, though, in that same scene, so does Ty. Yeah, Tyler true. has a big chin too. Yeah, but Tyler's all around big. Comparatively, mm-hmm. Uncle Duncan is, is fairly skinny. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. About I think Uncle it, Duncan was adopted because he looks literally nothing no. like his brother. But he, you're right. Uncle Duncan's head is like a quarter chin. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's weird. Uh, yeah. I'd like to order a head with extra chin. Yes, uh, the crimson. I chin. have just the thing for you. <laughs> so, the basic concept of this uh, comic is. The Locke family goes through a tragedy, that being they're away on this trip, and this kid from their school shows up and decides to put a bullet into their father. This is also the situation where his friend decides to sexually assault the mother because, uh, well, she's coming on to him, as he says later on in the comics. Mm -hmm. Past that, they end up moving in with Uncle Duncan in Key House, which, for me... Quick reference to the to the show. That was one of the first things that got me about the changes. Is they move? They're from uh, Seattle in the show. So it's not so, a dramatic change. Environment, like beyond people, people would be different. But the atmosphere of this of the area from main, from Mass to from Mass to Seattle isn't big. Whereas San Francisco to Mass, that's. That's going from bright and sunny to dark mm-hmm. and dingy. Exactly. Where's oh, yeah. winter? Always. Always winter. Which is another conflict for the family. Because nobody wants to go through a big change like that. You have the death of the father, and everybody is damaged in a different way. Well, yeah, but like Uncle Duncan, he actually has a really good line early on. And it's, as soon as Rendell was gone, your old life was dead with him. Everything changed anyway. You might as well have a change of scene, change of yeah. scenery. It really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And they're keeping, especially Tyler, the oldest, the oldest son, um, of the the Locke family. He holds that death with him because sadly he doesn't want to live anymore after the loss of his. Well, and he blames himself yeah. for it. Well, he blames himself for it. And another part of his trauma is he's living with the fact that he almost beat um, Sam Sam to death. Like, he picked up a brick and fractured his face. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because he keeps seeing Sam immediately after he attacked him Mm -hmm. throughout the comic book. It's something that he's trying to process. It's like, well, I did it to protect my family, but if I'm capable of this, what else... Could I do? Mm-hmm. And to go over, I guess, the other members of the family, you have Kenzie, which is the younger sister. Well, the middle child. The middle yeah. child. Um, she's uh, the, I guess. She's like a She's fresh, the rebel. She's, she's a freshman in high school kind yeah. of age. She's the rebel of the. the Tyler's sim- like a junior, senior. Sorry for no, you're off. No, you're good. Um, she's the rebel of the. The siblings, like she's got the dreads, the piercings, and stuff like that, but she's also an athlete, too, and she... And she's artsy. Yeah, she's trying to move past it, but at the same time, she is also haunted by it, because she just wants to hide. She just wants to hide away. She doesn't want to draw attention to herself, especially as as a new person in a new school, 
So she changed her look when she moved. So she combs her dreads out. She only wears her piercings on the weekends. Mm -hmm. That Uh, sort of thing. Yeah. Decides not to wear political shirts anymore. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't, um, She even though she does very well and likes, like, her running coach, she doesn't want to right. talk with any of the other Well, and the then the other, other, uh, the other star runner on the team invites her to go running with her on the weekends, and she shuts this girl down immediately. Uh-huh. She's like, because if, if we go running together, you're going to want to talk talking. to me, you're yep. going to want to be my friend, mm-hmm. and my past is off limits. Yep. I can't talk about this. Nope. And I think that's also a generic, like, 90s, uh, 2000 tropes. Oh, the tragedy family. Let's ask them. Everybody knows everything about the tragedy family. Let's all ask them questions. I heard that your dad died. It's like, come on now. Well, I mean, but the, the problem is they're also moving from a metropolis to mm-hmm. a literal small town. Yeah. On an island. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That they own... That the family owns probably like ten to fifteen percent of the entire island anyway. Just they because a, of that house in the land. yeah, they own a huge chunk because they have a they have the house, the surrounding forest, and a private beach. Like they, the Lock family definitely has some money. Yep, a yeah. lot of secrets, a lot of secrets. And then you have the youngest son, Bodie. Bodie, Bodie. I how old is Bodie? Uh, Bodie is. I he's like between five and seven. He's not. Very well, old. he's. I believe he's like early elementary school age. So probably like, I'd go maybe like seven, eight, maybe. Probably yeah. hard around seven. He's definitely young because he doesn't get the concept about his dad being dead. He's like, oh, he's dead. Being dead's cool. Well, well hold on. That's. That's different though because he finds the first key very quickly after they move into the house yeah because you get as soon as Bodie and they move to the town of Lovecraft mm-hmm. which is fun and mm-hmm. it's renamed to Matheson in the uh, show which I mean if we're gonna hold up a horror icons legacy we mm-hmm. should probably hold up Richard Matheson a little more than Lovecraft right from a personal standpoint Richard Matheson wasn't a terrible human being. Lovecraft probably was. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, but no, the first thing we see into how Bodhi's trying to deal with it is after they get to the house, he's running around being a kid, and he sees a key glint on top of a uh, door frame. And he grabs it, notices that it has a skull motif on it, sees a big ornate door, and the key works on the ghost door and the second he steps through it his body falls stone dead on the floor and he's a ghost mm-hmm. and any place that he thinks of or a person he immediately teleports to yeah, that he's location kinda, like, the way it's, he describes it is he, he fades if he's thinking about something he fades and reappears if someone's thinking about him it gets real bright and then washes back out mm-hmm. I, I do gotta say uh he goes around and sees all of his family members. I really enjoy... This was an instance where we got to see into how they're dealing with grief. Because we see Kinsey reenact... Like, fast asleep reenacting the night that... uh The day that, like, Sam killed uh their parent... Uh, their dad. Her mm-hmm. on the roof, cuddling... Uh, holding on to Bodhi as tight as he, she could... She's now holding onto a pillow as tight as she can. Yeah. And he thinks it's he thinks it's fun. Like he thinks it's a game. Um Yeah, it's fun being dead. It's yes. fun being a ghost. And unfortunately, even the teachers at school, because he's like writing drawing pictures. Well, yeah, he and draws stuff. a little comic book and it freaks his teacher out. Yeah. And I mean, his mom doesn't I feel like she didn't really say much about it. Like and but the the so she's spending her time drinking. Yeah, she's she's yeah she's now. working her way through the wine cellar, and we get that between Kinsey drops multiple hints that mom is drunk, and then later on in the comic, Uncle Duncan just straight up goes, "I'm worried about you. I've noticed that you've been drinking a lot." Mm-hmm. I after that whole scene in the beginning, I don't think there's a, there's a uh, there's a comic doubt. panel where you don't see her 
with alcohol with her. With a, yeah. with some sort of with yeah. a cup of some sort in her hand. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, she she was sexually assaulted and then ended up putting the guy's hatchet in the back of his head. So yeah, she's also dealing and with watched and her watched husband, her, the back of her husband's head explode. Yeah, no, there's a lot to deal with. Yeah, drinking a lot seems pretty normal. And it's only Not been good, a few months, right? Since the three since, months. Yeah, it's only three, been. We, there's a three month gap yeah. between. So over the summer, because yeah. it dad died right at the beginning of summer, and they take the summer to get settled at Key House. Yep. And this is a very. This first collection is very fast paced. It is. Yeah, a lot happens. A lot happens in a very short period of time. On that note, for those uh, that have only seen the show. It's not as heavy on the keys, per se. They do find, like, two or three keys, two keys specifically, mm-hmm. comparatively to the show, where by this time they found, like, six or seven. The show is... It's, like I said, it's a different beast, but it... I understand why the keys are paced differently in the show. You need... More needs to happen in a shorter period in a TV show because right. you have to keep your viewers hooked. Comic book, you can be as long form as you want. As long as your writing's solid, you don't have to introduce new elements constantly. Yeah. yeah. I was just I was just pointing out for the, the difference for those who have not read mm-hmm. the comic and might want to pick it up and go, expect to see, like, six keys halfway through yeah. this. Yeah, because um, just for instance... I have the PDF of the comic book open. Um, at 75% of the way through the comic book, so starting chapter 6, the final uh, issue of this arc, mm-hmm. one key is in play. Period. Yeah. Like, Sam knows about two others. Mm-hmm. But, so, six issues in, we've only mentioned three keys total. And yeah. only one has been found. Yeah. And to be fair, the other one is just, at this point, mythical. No one knows anything about. What's the, the Omega key? Yeah, what's the Omega key? Mm-hmm. And the thing about these keys, though, is they're all designed differently, which I like. They're just not like generic keys. They are designed specifically for what their use is. But then also they work with different doors they work with just generic doors or they'll work with a specific door so like the right. black door like yes well the ghost key only works with the ghost door uh-huh. yeah. but the anywhere key does exactly what you think it is although i do like the way it works because you have to know where you're going yeah so you need a clear picture of something in your head and then you put the key in the lock turn it and when you open the door that's where you're headed. The only other key that gets seen in this one, Dodge, who is the main antagonist, antagonist yeah. is uh, she she has, which is the gender key, which for the uh, show, they combine the gender key and the uh, race, race key, key into the identity key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but she has the gender key, which works in a very interesting way where you put it in a door then walk through the door, and you're now the different gender. That's another difference between the show and the comic, and I appreciate why they changed it for the show, because a lot of the keys in the show work on people, and they make keyholes appear on different places in the body. They did that just because that's more visually interesting for that medium. The... I think I appreciate the way the keys work more in the comics, but I understand the change. I lied. There is one other key that that's found because oh, it's the, the last the last panel. You find the head key, which is most like I think it's to unlock memories, right? No, but that's because I've read farther. Okay, so no well, no spoilers for that. <laughs> well, no, but if you it so it's go not really the, a. Sp- Spoiler, because... Going off the TV show, it allows you to go into your head. Okay. In the yeah. TV show, it would appear on the back of your head, you put it in, mm-hmm. and then a door a door so appears. So you can visualize And you can go into your... Now, I like the way the... Because I've, I've seen panels of this online, because it's one of the most famous scenes in the comic. The way the head key works. Oh. 
in the comic book is you unlock somebody's forehead and peel off the top of their head, and you can see into their brain. Basically, it does. You don't really peel off. It's it just kind of open. Their head gone. just opens. Yeah. So and then, Dr. Finkelstein from it's really, <laughs> Nightmare it's Before really, Christmas. It's really weird because they'll be sitting there talking to you here, mm-hmm. and they'll you can walk up, and then they'll suddenly also be behind you looking into their own head. It's a really weird, trippy mm-hmm. thing. It's real fun. I like that. But yeah, that and to be fair, that's that the Omega key and the uh, Anywhere key are the three most popular keys from this whole series. So. Mm-hmm. There's anything that's not that's already been spoiled. It's those three, right? Right, and then um, I guess we should talk about Sam Lesser a little more because mm-hmm. he's the human antagonist. Um. Also, real quick, I didn't throw it at the beginning. Trigger warning for like parental abuse and things of that nature because I completely forgot till I was scrolling through the comic again uh, about how. Sam Lesnar's uh, home life and everything. Yeah. So, Sam has a much younger sister because Sam is the around the same age as Tyler. Um, so he and his sister live most of the time with their mom, who seems to be constantly broke, constantly drunk, and always, uh, how do I say, looking for her next male friend okay put it that way and so she's fairly neglectful of the kids and then the one scene we get to see of sam's dad is sam has gotten his sats back and his dad beats the crap out of him because he had to write a personal essay and his dad is accusing him of airing the family's dirty laundry to strangers and by accusing him i mean his dad is punching him as hard as he can and knocking him down. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Sam has a terrible home life. Yeah. And Sam is getting counseled by Tyler's father because he's the school counselor. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this is actually where also where uh, Sam meets Dodge because there's a picture, a drawing of the well house at the uh, in his office. Mm-hmm. And he, Sam's fascinated by it because he sees Dodge in the picture. Mm-hmm. And originally what she's portrayed as is a woman with long, dark black hair in like a green like silk dress with black a... Black silk. Is it black? It looks green. Everything me. with her is black. It is black. Yeah. Um, and a, she's got a like drawstring bag around mm-hmm. her neck. And she's just in the well. She's, she's, pull, she's pulling a Samara, just hanging in the well. <laughs> well she's the echo in the well. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he's very devoted to her, fascinated with her. That's because she has told him everything that he wants to hear. Yes. If Sam helps Dodge, he'll get a new home, he'll get a new face, he'll be able to start a family, this, that, and the other. She's just, she feeds him Whatever information she needs to feed him to manipulate him. Mm-hmm. Give him all the promises. Because that's exactly what she is. She's an echo. Because he's asking for these things. He wants these things. And she's just saying it right back to him. Well, she is that's the and way I isn't. It. Well, I, she yeah. is and isn't an echo. It gets explained more. Yeah. yeah. It's and, complicated. And other than Sam, who meets her? Bodie. <laughs> well, yes. Bodie does as like any six-year-old kid. He explores the uh, explores the house. He finds the ghost key in the ghost door. He's ex- experimenting with that, and he finds the well house, and he starts talking to her. They they become quote unquote, quote unquote friends. friends. <laughs> but to be fair, Bodie's a really bright kid. And quickly does not trust her. And what I find interesting about the comic versus the show, Dodge doesn't give Bodie any information in the comic book. She gives him a boatload of exposition in the TV show, though. 
So it shows that Dodge is, I think the comic book version of Dodge is a lot sharper because she knows exactly how to act for each individual. So on that note, one of the things that uh, compared to the show and the uh, comic that I really liked specifically with Dodge is she keeps getting referred to as a demon as you go on. In the show, you never once see anything about it. In the comic, like, you you don't see their demon side or whatever. In the comic, there's a whole scene where she, a whole panel where she's in the well, has a mirror and scissors, and you can see the demon in the mirror and looking back at her. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Demons. Don't trust the lady in the well. Well, yeah, no, so there you go. Kids, if you're listening, and you move in your family's giant Victorian mansion, and you go into the well house, and your echo doesn't sound like you and starts talking to you, run. Do not start a conversation. Nope. Not safe. Not at all. The tension and the the pacing in in this is done very well. Like, it's a very quick... Because, I mean, you got to remember, it's been three months since it's happened. It's, they're really not, I feel like they're not in that house for that long. And Sam gets out of jail. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is the one thing that the pacing is way different between the, the show and the comic. Because in the show, they explain that a lot more time passes before Sam shows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sam shows up real quick in the comic book. Yeah. And then... And his kill count is high. Ridiculous. And I like the way that they uh, designed him because there is is a moment where he literally slaughters an entire busload, but his mannerisms on his face, the way they... He's just very chill. Almost just like... He's kind of like almost like staring off into nowhere. He... He slaughters an entire bus load and decides, I'm going to put on the bus hat and drive the bus. Right, so he drives the bus to the port town Mm -hmm. outside of Lovecraft. And right before he gets off the bus, what does he do to it? He torches it. Mm -hmm. Then he hops on a boat and straight up threatens the uh, boat driver. Threaten nothing. He kills him halfway to the island. Yep, you're yep, right. He just, needed com- he just needed confirmation. Hey, this is Lovecraft, right? Well, because yep. here's the other okay. thing. Uh, he needed he needed the driver to start the, to get the boat in motion. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta say. That's what that guy's job was for him. Having the page open here and remembering it all, it's great. Because it's just hit, the guy's driving, he's pointing the gun, and then it's just... The guy's dead, and he's now holding it, still pointing the gun. Just well, and the thing is, if you read that, if you read the uh, the fisherman or the the guy that owns the boat, mm-hmm. the way he talks is an homage to how people talk in Maine, because that's where. Oh yeah. That's where Joe Hill grew up, because mm-hmm. he's a king. Yeah. Because that I up. Thing is very northeastern. I up. I just think that that nod in his past is pretty mm -hmm. funny. He also confirms that the locks do own that whole entire side of the rock. So they own like a good 20 some odd or even more percent of the island? Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's insane. Yeah, so then Sam shows up and attacks the family again. This is when Dodge tells Bodie that if he wants her help, she's got to. He's got to get her the anywhere key, which he finds in Kinsey's bracelet. And Kinsey's had it the whole time. <laughs> and that allows Dodge to escape. Uses the gender key to change herself. And by this time, I do believe Sam is unconscious, and he uh, throws. Uh, Dodge as a guy throws him through the uh, the dead door. Is he unconscious or does Dodge break Sam's neck? 
You're right. Dodge breaks his neck. Yes. You are 100% right. But the weird thing is the ghost door works in an oddball way. So I wouldn't be surprised, especially as she says, <clears throat> I, or he says now, um, I still need you. <clears throat> and we've never had so far, because the only two people that have used the ghost door or Tyler by accident and Bro- Bodie, and they were both alive. This is the first time that a dead person is going through the door. So how does that work? Especially when she says, you're going to be very strong now. So it's like, is she lying? Or is she? Is he going to be a demon? Like, we don't know yet. Or ever. I don't know. <laughs> have to wait and see. It's spoiled. I will say that I know his ultimate fate because it's spoiled in the TV show. In the TV show... If you die on that land, you your spirit's stuck there. Okay, so it's like a Cause, murder house. Because he, that's... Well, yeah, that's right. That's what they're... Anyway, but yes. beyond that, we don't know if that's the same in the comic. Where that's is Sam and Dean West Winchester? <laughs> we need to salt the area. Salt everything. Oh, man. You think Dean would ever leave this house? <laughs> Having fun with the keys? <laughs> oh, what does this do? Ooh, what does right. this do? Um, actually, adults don't remember it, so. True. Right, you age out of it. You you age out of being able to use the magic and see it, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Remember, yeah. remember the magic's the key. You can, you can still use it if you can remember it, but mm-hmm. if you don't remember, remember it, you're not going to use it. Yeah. Yeah, the only other main part about this, mm-hmm. we've hit all the main points. The only other thing that I can really think of is that, uh... Bodhi spends a good chunk of this comic going, hey guys, look at this key, look at this door. Mm-hmm. And Kinsey and Ty are just like, yep, yep, that's a key, that's a door, yeah. Yeah. who cares? I mean, at the end, I feel like this first collection, they do become a little bit closer, just a little bit, but not, they're still going their own way. Because it really, this part ends with Tyler making a friend named Zach. As the reader, we know who Zach is. It's Dodge. He's just cut off his hair, yeah. giving himself a little bit of buzz cut, and got a little, um, little, little bit of a stash going. And obviously, Kenzie sees this new guy, and she's like, "Ooh." And Bodie is just like, "Whatever. I don't want to play with keys anymore." But then, what does he find? The head key. <laughs> so he's like, "Yeah, come on, man." <laughs> I want to know who's hiding all these keys. You put them in the most randomest place. <laughs> well, actually, we do. It's in the comic. So we do find out what Sam's fate is. He is a ghost on the property. Because mm-hmm. there he is. Okay. So Sam goes out almost like we're talking about, except for the fact that uh, before she runs into Zack slash Dodge... Kinsey shoots him in the neck and in the leg as he's running out of the cellar. Right. Dodge meets him in the hallway, almost kills him, and then shoves him out the door and slams it. Yeah. So, therefore, just ensuring that he is a trapped spirit on the property. Thank you for the correction. You're right. So, and that, because all of that is important distinctions. So, now we know that, one, Sam's dead dead, but he's still around. Dodge can still use him because as we see he's got several keys it's unknown of how many keys he has I mean we see that he's now got we know how many keys Dodge has Dodge has two currently because Dodge is going Dodge stays on the kids like white on rice Mm -hmm. about getting the rest of the keys exactly overall what's your guys' thoughts on it I was gonna say I like it I think it's imaginative I think Mm -hmm. it's very it's a unique story to me because, mm-hmm. like, magic keys are not a new concept, mm-hmm. but the fact that certain keys, what, Dodge has three keys? Yeah, because he ends with, or she, it ends. They. They. Whatever. End with a dead door key. Oh. They take it out. Oh, they yeah. take it out of the lock. So we know they have three. Okay. But, I mean, it's the kind of thing, though, because. I've done background research on Joe Hill before. 
And it's not at all surprising to me that he's as inventive as he is, because the second that he showed any interest in writing, and he talked to his dad about it, I was like, okay, fine, I've been doing this for years and years and years at this point. If you're going to be interested in this, I'm going to teach you the right way. So what you're going to do then is you're going to come home every night until you have an actual full story written out for me to read. You're just going to write. When you get done with a section, you're going to give it to me. I'm going to edit it. I'm going to give you constructive criticism. I'm going to give it back. And we're going to go until you have a complete story. And that's just how he grew up. And his mom is also an author. So I'm sure she helped him as well. But it's just being a creative kid of creative parents. Not to mention the literal... My dad is the most prolific horror writer that ever wrote any horror fiction at all. And I challenge anyone to argue against me. Find a horror writer that is more published than Stephen King. I, I don't think it exists. I don't think yeah. they exist. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And I, what I liked about this, this, because um, just the idea of the concept of the keys, I automatically thought of Coraline, because the whole point is the Coraline finds the little door. What is it? What opens it? Oh, a key that looks like a button. And I was like, okay, but it doesn't like copy off of anything or you know, I mean, feel that whole. Joe may have read Coraline. It predates this by a True. decent amount. But at the same time, it, it does feel like it's a... it's. It feels like an original story. It does. It does feel like an original story. And it's a simple story, really. I mean, other than getting... Sometimes you get the keys mixed up, especially if there is several. But also, as Phil, you mentioned in the show, where they decide to take several keys and combine them together, like the identity key. Mm. Um, they also add keys in the in the show. The Matchbox yeah. key. Yeah, there's a because there's one that's the is it Matchbox or Matchstick? Matchstick. So right. yeah, there's a Matchstick key that they added to the show because they needed a key to be a weapon, and that key literally just sets stuff on fire. Do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sam gets it when he's in prison. Walks down and just lights the prison on fire as he's walking. Like and like I said, I understand why they did what they did with the keys for the show. I just like, now that I've read the first volume, I still like the way that the keys work in the comics better because the keys have to have a door to do anything, which I, I like that more, except for the head key, but I think there's gotta be like some that, special keys, but I like the concept of you have to have a door in order to use a key. Right. Well, but the head key is you have to have, because it still does the back of the neck thing and then pops the top of it. Mm -hmm. But you have to stick the key into something. Like yeah. that. There is a process to it. You can't just, oh, I have a key and hold it in my hand. And do now, magic stuff. Yeah, no. You actually have to do something with it. You can't just say magic words or just having it in your possession. You actually have to manipulate it. To do something. Well, I mean, Sam has to touch the fire, the match the key, two things to set it on fire, but there's no door that goes with right. it. Yeah. Like, it simplifies the process a bit much for my mm -hmm. tastes. As I said, I wanted to read the comics beforehand. I started with the show, and honestly, I've really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. um, I've read a good amount of horror comics, pretty much. If I'm reading comics, that's pretty much what it is. And this is definitely top up, like up there. Like in my personal opinion, I can't think of many that I've read that beats this in a lot of ways. I mean, I I enjoy Nailbiter and like witches and whatnot, but mm -hmm. this is you can tell the difference in just someone who's been writing, as you said, since they were a child, comparatively to and to be fair, Nailbiter was uh, no witches was written by Zack Snyder, who's mm -hmm. More of a screenwriter than... Well, I, I don't know if that's the same as Zack Snyder. Okay. Uh, but he's a prolific uh, comic writer. Mm -hmm. Why did witches get put on hiatus? Because he got pulled to write Batman. Right. <laughs> so, But seeing the difference with just someone whose mind is set on comics yeah. compared to someone whose mind is set on writing mm -hmm. that's really interesting. Well, not only does he not use his actual surname... He wanted to be an author. He is now a successful published author. 
Mm-hmm. Sorry. Scott Snyder. That okay. Joe Hill is now a successfully published author, but I think he put out he put out a book or two before Lock and Key. He got almost no attention until he did Lock and Key. Because he want again, he wanted to do it on his own and he did. However, once Lock and Key got published, mm-hmm. his pseudonym they did this. Hey, have you seen pictures of this Joe Hill guy? Can we compare him to I don't know, Stephen King. Oh, hey, he's almost a carbon copy of this. That's his dad. Like It, it, t- it took people weeks to figure out who he was as soon as he became famous. Oh, my gosh, he can't. <laughs> but, again, he became famous on his own, which was his whole goal, yeah. and props to him. And he's done very well. I like the mixed media. It's not just, like, short stories. I mean, he's he's mixing it up, which I, I appreciate. He, he fell into it because he met... I remember right. He met Rodriguez in like New York at some like they had an off chance meeting. And the other reason this comic series works so well is Rodriguez would give him pointers on his writing, and Hill would give Rodriguez pointers on the art. Like it is a collaborative effort between the two of them. It's their story. It's mm-hmm. not just one or the other. And I think you can definitely see that just the way the design and just the simple of the lines. I'm like, you, they do the right thing of, I'm going to put a close-up here of Dodge while she's making a statement and she's obviously being very menacing. So you definitely see that collaboratory effort working. I mean, it definitely is almost like you could really just take it and put it on a film, almost like they were working with a camera and that. And, and in reality, it's just words and photos or drawings on, on paper. I mean, to be fair, something I just noticed when I was scrolling through, if you look in the last few panels, when uh, Bodie is fishing mm-hmm. with his magnetic fishing pole and he's meeting Zach for the first time, Bodie has a very, like, I don't trust you kind of face on. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I didn't notice it the first time I was going through. But yeah, I was going to say, overall, it's this makes me want to read more of it. Because mm-hmm. I think I'm in the same boat as you. It's, this had been on my periphery for a long time. I just never picked it up. Mm-hmm. The first thing I ever read from Joe Hill was his um, pseudo-vampire book, uh, Nosferatu. And I don't know why I didn't pick this up sooner. Because reading that made me want to read more of his stuff. Yeah. And I guess the, the plan is to finish the other volume. So we're going to spread this one out, put it in there as a refresher, because it is nice to pick up something and look at something that's not a movie. Right. And you guys are going to have to give us time because these are, like we said, these are broken up into like six issue collections. That's a lot of, six comic, six issues of a comic is a lot of material to get through at one time. So it'll take us a little while to get through all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, we want to enjoy it too. Yeah. So if we just dive into it and like force ourselves to read through it all right now, we, we're not going to enjoy it. It's just, it's going mm-hmm. to, it's going to be mean, daunting. Yeah. What are we going to do? Cram down 30 some odd issues in the next couple of months. That's not any fun. Yeah. Especially right now, as we're recording this, it's the beginning of 2022 there's a lot that's coming out. So, I mean, that's also a perfect go into horror news, but which I'll go into in just a second. But yes, that is the plan. We want to continue with these collections and we'll spread them out a bit for you. But if you have any other suggestions when it comes to horror comics or horror graphic novels, please give us suggestions because we really enjoyed this one. Um, but yeah, I guess, it was a lot of fun. And, um, do you have any else, anything else to say? No, I mean, proceed? on the horror comics front, mm-hmm. it's just what Phil and I own. I have Phil's Nailbiter collection in my... So good. I love that. In my uh, closet in my bedroom. In front of us, I have multiple Hellraiser comic books. I've got Chilling Tales of Sabrina, which has gone on a ridiculous hiatus and needs to come back. Other it won't. I know it won't. It's over. It is. Um, I've got Marvel Zombies. I've got the DC zombie thing. Like, we have a bunch 
of horror comics, we don't have to buy anything. We can just spread out issues at this point. Oh, yeah. I have uh, Witches. You have my Nailbiter collection. I have the original run of Constantine, which is very horror. Well, it's also like high weirdness sci-fi. Yeah. And then because that's a lot of because that's what Swamp Thing was. Swamp Thing yeah. is just high weirdness. And then I also have a uh, God the series. The name of it's slipping my mind right now, but it's a whole thing where uh, people are getting a whole story about people getting possessed by demons. And there's just one person who's just he's nihilistic as anything, but his touch makes demons go insane and like leave bodies. Hmm. And hmm. It, it runs down that. And then I also have one that's ghosted. Which is more like, more like I guess supernatural esque. Okay. Where you have a, it's a guy and and this chick, mm-hmm. who get who are uh, who investigate uh, or get paid to capture a ghost, mm-hmm. and then in the story the girl dies and then haunts the main male character, and so it's those two going throughout Working the rest together. of the season. Okay. The comics. It's there's a lot of horror comics out there. I mean, ghost one is not that great, but it's fun. One that I would love to run through is to start picking up the uh, Immortal Hulk collections because Immortal Hulk is like body horror and just full of really, really dark themes. And it's called Immortal Hulk because at this point in Bruce Banner's journey, he figures out that he literally can't die. And just the horror around that for him because the Hulk is spiraling more and more out of control. And it's just all the themes in it are really interesting. And it's also, I feel that it's ballsy for Marvel, because if I remember right, like, Mortal Hulk is mainstream Hulk. Like, it's not a side story, it's not a what if, it's no really. A Hulk is a literal terrifying monster. Which I think is a great take on the character. Yeah, it's different. I like that. Uh, news. I guess. Yep, horror news. Um, start off. We'll start off with something sad. Rest in peace, Betty White. And why am I mentioning Betty White? Because she was in Lake Placid, and Lake Placid is a creature feature. Okay, so rest in peace, Betty White. Um, also, sadly, uh, French actor Gaspar. Yuli, I'm obviously butchering his last name, I'm sorry. Um, He played Hannibal, young Hannibal and Hannibal Rising. He has also tragically passed away at the age of 37. It was a skiing accident. So that just happened recently. Um, Screen 5 just came out last week. Uh, So far, very successful. Um, I did a little snippet out on social media, just a quick... Just overview of it, non-spoiler, and I I enjoyed it. Um, we might do a more in-depth, um, but I think we'll probably just do Scream as an overview, maybe, um, yeah, at some point. I need to rewatch the first four at some point, and we can just talk about Scream. Mm-hmm. I don't think each movie needs its... I mean, the first one is groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. It's... I mean, it... It's historic. Yeah. And then I don't... So maybe we could do like two Scream episodes. Yeah. We could do one for Scream and then mm-hmm. hit the sequels. Yeah. Yeah. But it was it was enjoyable. And it. I think they're probably going to do more. Again, it's horror. They just can't stop making them. But the way that it ended, it's like, okay, you can end this where it is or you can continue. So they ended it well. So... One thing that's always fun, because you get to see more interesting movies coming out, Sundance is coming up, and there are five promising horror movies that have been uh, slated to show up at Sundance. So the first one would be Resurrection. So Rebecca Hall had a movie at last year's Sundance uh, with Nighthouse. With uh, Resurrection, it's... Hall plays Margaret, a woman whose tight control over her life threatens to unravel with the arrival of someone from her past. And then it unearths horrors that she's evaded for a long time. And then we have Piggy. And Sarah is a constant target of bullying. She's fleeing from the latest round of abuse, sends her on a long walk home, 
for she bears witness to an unspeakable act. She then must choose whether to act or not. Uh, you won't be alone. Numi Rapace stars in this period horror movie set in 19th century Macedonia, in which a feral witch decides to try life in someone else's skin. Literally. Ugh. We can expect this one to adhere closer to existential horror over more conventional fare. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, next is a Watcher. Chloe Unuko. Uh, uh, featured a film starts It Follows. Uh, Maika Monroe is a woman who can't shake the feeling that she's being watched. It also happens that a serial killer is actively stalking the city. It all sounds like the perfect ingredients for a high-tension psychological thriller. And then finally, there's going to be something in the dirt. Which is uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead's latest suggests another genre bender centered around an oddball duo. Neighbors John and Levi witness supernatural events in their Los Angeles apartment building. And they attempt to document it for, for fame. It leads them down a strange dark rabbit hole. Mm. So again, more indie stuff because some movies that got attention at Sundance and stuff like Babadook just a few other more indie darlings that have come out over the past few years so mm -hmm. I always find it interesting to watch the festivals for horror films yeah because we're gonna have a lot of release this year um, what we're planning on doing is obviously there we're not able to get and do a full review of a film we're gonna try to as best as we can but again, we are adults. We have this is not our job. This is our hobby. We this is our passion to do this. Um, but at the same time, we also have families, significant others, and children. So and, we and full time jobs. Yes, full time jobs. So it's <laughs> difficult sometimes to get all of us, or even just some of us, together to go see a movie and then record it. So what we're planning on doing is at least to get our thoughts and feelings out. So when we do, talk to us. We want to. We want to compare, like, oh, what did you like about that scene? What did you like that? We don't mind doing that on a, like, social media platform. So talk to right. us. And then if there's anything. We're lonely. Talk to us, please. Talk to us. I'm lonely. <laughs> and if there's anything obscure or weird or just super out there that you want us to cover, let us know about it. We're all about off the beaten path, low budget stuff. Mm -hmm. And again, if we've said this before, but if you're a horror content creator and you want to talk to us, you want to do an interview or something, we would love to do that. Yeah. We want to pick your brain. <laughs> <laughs> with an ice pick. I mean, with maybe questions. <laughs> Very convincing. Question mark. <laughs> All right. This is Zach. This is Shelby. This is Phil. Stay spooky.